the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. In the Bible, human life does not begin with an impersonal command of God to live. It doesn't start at the moment of birth so you can treat a baby like it's a fetus. No, a human life is precious to God. The children are beautiful to God. God touched the first man when he made him. He didn't just speak him into existence. That is Pastor Michael Oxentenko, and this is Reaching Your Heart. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, call us today at 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. As a reminder, you can tune in to the live worship service held every Saturday at 11 o'clock and Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. You're most welcome to be our guest either online or in person. We will have more details on that as we continue with today's broadcast. Here now is our pastor teacher, Michael Oxentenko, with today's Reaching Your Heart, the first portion of The Touch of Jesus. Thanks for joining us today, and happy Thanksgiving. Dear Father, saved by grace, not by might, nor by power, nor by being good, but by Jesus. Father, life is lonely. We hurt people in this world, and people hurt us. The fact is, it's easy to be broken. So Lord, mend the broken life. Touch the lonely one, and heal us all. In Jesus' name, amen. The genius chess champion Bobby Fischer once said that nothing eases suffering like human touch. How many of you are huggers around here? Come on. Huggers, raise your hand. How many of you are not huggers around here? People can misinterpret a hug. You hug them wrong. You hug me wrong. Boy, it's risky. But some people just hug and you never do it wrong. Right? You're in that crowd. You hug right. The genius chess champion Bobby Fischer got it right. Nothing eases suffering like human touch. Do you realize that hospitals have whole therapy sessions and they have therapy process where they do nothing but touch you for 30 minutes with love and compassion and it helps you to heal? They're discovering that we need this in medical care. Plato universalized the need when he said that at the touch of love, everyone becomes a poet. So there's something magical about it. You're touched with love, it matters. Now I'm going to be frank with you. We're living in a world where we don't have any time to be unkind, right? How many of you have ever been unkind? Come on, honesty, you Pharisees, honesty. We've all been unkind. You ever been in your thing so much you run over somebody else? Come on, raise the hand. Therapy, therapy, it's called honesty therapy. Well, you know, we need to be touched by other people's lives. It's the kindness, it's the love of God in us and for us felt here that's more important than anything else we do. I'm not by nature a kind person. I'm by nature an unkind person, and I'm like you. And so the love of God must touch us. 
There's something beautiful and healing when a kind person touches you just in time so that you feel that you are loved. In the Bible, human life does not begin with an impersonal command of God to live. It doesn't start at the moment of birth so you can treat a baby like it's a fetus. No, a human life is precious to God. The children are beautiful to God. God touched the first man when he made him. He didn't just speak him into existence. The first person became a human soul alive when God touched the earth and formed it. It says Yatsar in Hebrew. He formed man from the dust of the earth and man became a living nephish, breathing being. And then he hugged him tight and with a lover's passion, he breathed into him the breath of life. And that's how he started. You know, not with Homo habilis. You know, they have a box of bones with just a few little pieces And they have this intermediate fossil. They said that we came from an ape man. And I'm telling you, you don't build a theory on a few pieces of bones found in Africa that are mushed by pressure. And that's all you have. We came from God. The evidence of the Bible, the evidence of history is profoundly true. We are the children of God. God touched Adam when he created Adam. Before God breathed into Adam the breath of life, the Bible says God formed him like a potter forms on a wheel. And the scripture says he banah, he built Eve. And every man who's married to a nice, pretty wife will say, yep, he built her. That's right. Like an architectural edifice. When God made Eve, he touched Adam again. He pulled a rib out of his body to make his wife for him. Bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, touched. When sin came into the garden, all that changed. The close contact with God went away. Adam and Eve were sent outside the garden where God feels far off and hard to find at times. We live on the wrong side of Eden's door. And the God who walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the evening seemed far and aloof on the outside of the garden on the wrong side of Eden's door. That's the reality of our life. Centuries passed from Eden to, you know, the stuff we see in the Bible. And there's no record of God touching a man or a woman again until Jacob wrestled with God for his life and his family at the river Jabbok. His awful sin of lying to his brother Stealing the birthright, manipulating his future, and it all came down on him. He had prayed his way through it, confessed his sin to God. But in the night, he met God as the man of his blindness. In the night, when you can't see, there God was, wrestling with him, and his very life was at risk. Jacob had sinned, and he needed the pre-existent Christ. And he shows up. Christ, in the form of that man wrestling in the night, was there. Genesis 32, 24, and 25 And Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the break of the day. And when the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched the hollow of his thigh. For the first time since Eden, God touches a man, touches him. And Jacob's thigh was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Huh? How many of you like to have someone touch you and dislocate your hip? Just touch you, boom, can't walk. Twenty-some years ago, a church member here called me. And they're in church today, and I love them. They called me at 7 o'clock in the morning. I jumped out of bed. It was right after we signed the contract for the new church. I jumped out of the bed, and I twisted to get to the door to answer that phone. And I put my hand on the doorknob, and I was hit with the most intense pain I've ever had in my life. And L4, L5, I fell to the floor, my entire right leg paralyzed. It took two years to recover the use of my leg. Many of you remember those early days, me slopping my foot around, trying to walk through the door. I lived in excruciating pain for a year. 
And I almost had to call it a day because the pain was off the charts. I'd take aspirin before I preached. God would give me relief. And then finally, they say pain cells are the last to heal. And when they healed, I healed. I'm grateful to God. But, you know, to be touched by God can hurt at times. In a fallen world, it doesn't always feel good to be touched by God. God touched in the person of the pre-existing Christ, the angel of the Lord who is the Lord, touched his hip and it went out of socket. With a dislocated hip and writhing in pain, Jacob would not let a man in the night go. He would not let Christ go in the form of that man in the night until he blessed him and he named him. And so the angel asks him, what is your name? Of course, he had told his father, my name is Esau. He said, Jacob, you shall no longer be called Jacob. You shall be called Israel, for you have fought with God and prevailed. God touched him. Jacob was renamed Israel in the blindness of the night. Blindness, darkness, touch meet in this encounter. And he would later pass that precious blessing of the touch of God as he laid his hands on his children, as we've done here. After his long, hard life, he's the blesser. He's the one who passes on the blessing to the 70 children who came down to Egypt to live in the land of Goshen. Genesis 48, 15, 16, Jacob here is speaking at the time of Joseph's blessing when he blesses Ephraim and Manasseh. And he, Jacob, blessed Joseph and said... The God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has led me all my life long to this day, the angel who has redeemed me, that's the man in the night, from all evil, bless the lads. That's the messenger of the covenant. That's the angel of God's presence, according to Isaiah 63, 9. That's the pre-existent Christ who is God in angel form. Bless the lads. And he goes on to say, And in them let my name be perpetuated, and the name of my fathers, Abraham and Isaac, and let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. I like this. Something about a blessing. It's huge. In the paradox of the touch that threw his hip out of place, Jacob was healed and blessed by the God who blessed him in the night. You ever fought with God in the night? Really fought for faith? Want to see your prayers answered, but it's not? You ever done that? And God speaks to you and you get the answer at a time you don't expect it. It hurts to get the answer. You see, saving faith is not saying, well, I believe. Saving faith is praying your way through things so you do believe. So even a smack from God that injures you outright can be a good thing in the night when you are alone and when you need to be touched and healed by the presence of God when you can't see. In the darkness, friend, you can be touched by God. From that point on, there was no talk of touching God again until Mount Sinai. And at Mount Sinai, I got harder to touch God. I mean, the law is given. The, the ferocity of God's glory and majesty is revealed. And when God came down on Mount Sinai, God touched the mountain with his feet in Exodus 17. When they hit the rock, he was at the top of Horeb, standing on a rock. And then Exodus 24, he stood on the rock at Horeb. Now, we know from Scripture that that rock was a blue sapphire stone of supernatural origin, identified with the person of Christ, in fact. Touched the mountain. And God told the people through Moses, don't you dare touch the border of the mountain that I'm standing on or I'm coming down on. That man or beast will die. I mean, wow. God shows up and what does he say? Don't touch. You die. When the people sinned with the golden calf, what did God do? God had Moses pitch the tent for him, the tent of meeting, where he would show up at the door outside the camp, not inside the camp. Don't touch God. God warned the people that if he was with them on the journey in their stiff-necked arrogance, his presence would consume them in a moment. 
You know, it's hard to take a touch from God, isn't it? It's even harder to offer one to Him if God kills you by the touch. And that's the message, it seems, is bleeding through. Hard to hear. And so this touch thing got complicated with God in the Old Testament because of sin. Don't touch God. God started by touching Adam. Don't touch God on the other side of Eden's door. We all know the Bible story of Uzzah. Remember the story of Uzzah? How many of you like that story? You know, the story of Uzzah, his name is etymologically related to the word for strength. He was strong and hold the ark. You know, the ark of God was coming, be captured by the Philistines in battle because of the sins of Eli's sons and then Eli's permissiveness, allowing his children to just do whatever they want to do. This idea that our kids can do whatever they want to do is nonsense. A godly mom and dad will say, no, practice with me, no. No, it works for a while until they get to be adolescents. Then you've got to negotiate with them. No, but. Let's talk. Okay? And then when they're really grown up and they get to be married, don't say no anymore. Let's dialogue, if you're lucky. And then there goes a period of time where they don't talk to you, and then they come back. Dad, what do you think? They get advice later on. That's the journey of mom and dad, and it's not always easy, but it's what it is. Uzzah, boy, I'm giving you speeches on being good parents here, right? Some of you are already done, like I am. So, Someone was saying, Pastor Mike, you might be a grandparent in the next year. I don't know. That's different. How many grandparents we got here? Okay, so you know what I'm talking about, too. Well, help me out when my time comes. I've got to transition. You know, as this ark was coming back from the land of the Philistines, and it was moving forward, now what happened there is that ark got stuck out there, and the god Dagon fell down on his face, the God got busted up, and people started getting these tumors and sores. And so they made these gold offerings to God, to the God of the Hebrews, to send the ark back, made of tumors and mice. Probably bubonic plague hit them. And so as they were coming back with this, they put it on an ox cart, and God directed the ox cart. And, of course, they were testing. If, if the ox cart goes right, God's with them. And sure enough, it validated this is the true God. Well, as they finally got the ox cart and everything got sorted out, they wanted to bring it to Jerusalem. And this thing was tipping over, and Uzzah sticks his hands up, and boom, he dies instantly when he touches the ark of God. Now, we know from Scripture, David got angry with God. He says, what in the world are you doing? What kind of God are you? This man was trying to help you from falling in the mud, and you nailed him dead. Right? That's what the Bible says he was doing. Touched God, and he killed you. It took a long time for David and God to sort it all out. God had said, look, I'm a person. You're acting like I'm a commodity. You don't put me on ox carts. The priests carry me as I have commanded in the law of Moses. You've got to do it right. You know? Paradoxically, Uzzah, who had a knowledge of God, died when he touched the ark. Now think about this, though. The Philistines who captured the ark in battle placed the ark in the temple of their god Dagon, and no one instantly died, did they? You know, plague and stuff happened, but no. And then they put it on an ox cart, and no one instantly died, like Uzzah did. They even loaded the ark, as I said, on a cart to send it home. All those interactions that they did, no one died in the land of the Philistines, but Uzzah did. Paul says in Acts 17, when he came to Mars Hill, that the times of ignorance God winked at. So we miss that in the story here. That was true for the Philistines, but not for Uzzah. He should have known better. Why didn't God wink at the offense when Uzzah touched the ark? It would seem that maybe touching God is okay if you don't know who God is and you mess up in your journey to know God. 
But if you know how to worship God and you take him for granted, you treat him trivial. You know, we talk in our churches about, well, you know, church has got to meet my needs. You know, music today very often is geared toward it meets my needs. And very often it doesn't meet God's need because worship is to be offered to God, isn't it? I mean, does it meet the needs of a holy God who loves us? Or is it just something we do for us? And this is why we've got to pray through these issues. Our worship must be contemporary in the sense it must be where we're at in time and space. But it must always be sacred as well. Or else God's presence, we touch the ark in the wrong way. And so when you know that you're touching God and you know who he is, you might just die if you try too hard and you do it the wrong way. That seems to be why David got so mad at God. But he figured it out. We'll continue with today's Reaching Your Heart and Pastor Michael Oxentenko in just a moment. So please stay tuned. If you'd like to attend the worship service, I will have details on how you can do that here at the close of our broadcast today. You can always attend online at reachinghearts.org slash video. That's reachinghearts.org slash video. Many archived messages are available there for you, and you can attend the live service in a streaming format at that website, reachinghearts.org slash video. Let's continue now with Pastor Michael Oxentenko in today's Reaching Your Heart. So it took time for them to sort it out, and eventually the priests began to carry it. They sacrificed. They showed respect for the presence of God. And David was dancing in front of the ark in a holy dance to the Lord, and God was honored. Job. How many of you read the book of Job recently? Job's one of my favorite books in the Bible. I've spent as much time in it probably as I have Romans, maybe Revelation. Job, the righteous sufferer, warned his three lackluster friends who came to comfort him with a bunch of speeches without touching him to comfort him. That the touch of God is a dangerous thing in your life. He says, God has touched me. Now, he spoke the warning with sores all over his body, wanting God to touch him differently. And look at Job 19.21. He said, have pity on me, have pity on me, O you, my friends, for the hand of God has touched me. That's sad, isn't it? God touched me, and look how awful my life is. For Job, the touch of God was not exactly what you would expect from a God who cares about you. And so Job contended with God, and finally God shows up in a whirlwind. Why does God show up in a storm? Friends, when you're going through life and you're having a hard time, there's a storm in you, God shows up in the storm in the book of Job. And God becomes the storm that calms his storm-filled life and fear. And we need the storm of God in our lives at times. You know, it's hard to be alone when you're suffering. And that's why God shows up as a storm. In the Old Testament, it was a fearful and dangerous thing to touch God after Eden or to be touched by God. And yet there is something in all of us, intrinsic, that wants to and needs to touch God. And am I right? to touch God, to feel God in your life. We need it, don't we? So there's a tension in the Old Testament. It's not resolved. There's a deep yearning, primordial need in the broken life, as Job expressed, to be touched by God in the right way, to live like Adam did in the beginning, to be formed and mended and put together by the touch of God. Now, I discovered late in life, in my 50s, now, can I share with you a little thing about me? If you don't, take it wrong. Can I do a little self-disclosure? Sheepish, you know. Okay. I'm going to share with you something that's true. Now, I'm for the most part normal. You say, no, you aren't, Pastor Mike. Okay, all right. 
But I want to share with you something here that's true for me. I discovered in my 50s that I'm on the autism spectrum. That I have Asperger's. You guys know what Asperger's syndrome is? Now, they used to call it a syndrome. They now call it a necessary alternative to neurotypical development. If you don't have people with Asperger's, you don't have certain things happen in our culture. Advances in science and technology and medicine and so on. Asperger's goes with that. And I'm interested in all those areas. Two fields that really interested me as a young person would have been a cosmological physicist or a paleobiologist. And how do you like that? Now, my brother Tim came to the same conclusion at the same time, independently of me, in his 50s. We both came to see this. I took some testing, read up on it, and sure enough, I have Asperger's. Now, Elon Musk is a person I admire. How many of you know Elon Musk? Now, I admire some things about Elon Musk. You know, he wants, everything he does every day is to get us to Mars, to get us off this planet, and to get to a new world. And he lives and breathes with that Asperger's focus to make it happen. He's the richest man in the world because of it. I like that. I don't like his secular stuff. I don't like his drugs and stuff that he's sometimes flaunted on Joe Rogan and other things which become part of the news cycle. But I admire that focus in him. Well, recently, Elon announced to the world on Saturday Night Live, and I don't watch it. It ended up in the main news stream. Saturday Night Live is not worth watching. He announced that he has Asperger's syndrome, and it was no joke. Now, Tony Atkins, one of the world's leading experts on the subject, didn't know his own son had Asperger's until he was older. His son had issues related to it, and finally he figured it out. He said, why couldn't I? I'm one of the world's leading experts, and I didn't recognize my own boy. And there's a YouTube video on that. It's quite fascinating. So I have Asperger's, and I figured it out late in life, and I'm grateful for that. For the most part, it doesn't matter anymore to me. It doesn't really affect me. I'm a highly functional person with Asperger's. And I have a good wife. Now, I'll be frank with you. I can remember at Southern College, I didn't know it at that time, but the reason why I'd walk across the lawn with not eye contact, not looking at anyone, it's because I had this. And guess who drew me out of my shell? Come on, Diana, where are you at? Where she, she didn't know it either, but she put up with me. And I wouldn't make it in life without my precious wife, my social genius. She's an expert in that. And he giggled. He was a former conference president. I said, I wouldn't make it without Diana's Facebook love for our congregation. I'm glad I never knew until my 50s. Asperger's syndrome comes with some special gifts for me and a few liabilities also. Life is like that in general. Don't we have gifts in life and then weaknesses too? How many of you are in that camp? We're all there. Strengths and weaknesses. When a dog barks, for me, it's like putting a knife in me. It's piercing pain for me to have a dog bark. I had dogs, and I would sit in the easy chair and go, dog barked again, just like that. I'd like to sit in my easy chair with all the shades down in the house because bright light bothers me to the core when I'm trying to think and relax. How many of you like leaving the light on in the house? You come into my house, I like to put all the shades down. My wife says, you need sunlight. She's right. Lots of noise bothers me. In fact, when I'm in a room, I can't hear someone speaking to me. I often will pull you aside. Let's go to the other room. Because even though I can hear the volume, I can't differentiate easily the sounds. It goes with Asperger's and general autism also. I've always had a hard time with eye contact. Now, I've worked at it. Now, look at you. But I'd just soon do that. I mean, frank with you, that's autism and Asperger's. And I have focused interest. Focus is the key word for Aspie's. 
in which I strive to be the best in the world at what I do. If I have an interest, I don't want to just be good at it. I want to be better than anyone on planet Earth at it. And that goes with Asperger's. And it does. Yeah. And so I collect lenses because I like the focus quality of the lenses. Focus, focus, lenses. And I have a lens collection. I've learned everything about those lenses, just studying their background, whatever. Now, my big thing as an Asperger's person, because with savant pattern recognition ability is chiastic analysis. I do that. And I stay up night after night, if I could, analyzing the patterns in the Bible to get those structures so I can put them on paper. I live to do it. Now, these are all little things that go along with Asperger's for me that complicate life a little for some and maybe you. And I'm wired for loneliness because of that, because of this condition. And so I have to work at having friends in my life. I'm naturally an introvert. And yet many of you think I'm an extrovert. When I took the Myers and Briggs testing over the years, I'm 20-20, always introvert. But I live in an extrovert's world. People on the autism spectrum think differently than most people do. Experts tell us that normal people are called neurotypical types. That means us Aspies are different, but not unnecessary. There is a lot of us out there and a few here. In fact, there are some people here with Asperger's. I can recognize it. They come to church. Maybe they're attracted to the fact there's one in the pulpit every now and then. But focusing on something for us kind of folk is deep. It's a well for us. We just don't give up easy. And the focus gift can be a virtue and a fault. Oh, well, sorry that we have to leave it there for today's Reaching Your Heart, entitled The Touch of Jesus. But we will have the conclusion to this message the next time we get together with Pastor Michael Oxentenko and on the next Reaching Your Heart. We would love it if you'd join us for the worship service every Saturday at 11 o'clock. That's Saturdays at 11. You can join us online. We'll have details about that here in just a moment. But if you'd like to join us in person, that address is 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, 20707. 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland. 20707. Or if you're more comfortable, you're certainly welcome to watch online at reachinghearts.org slash video. Reachinghearts.org slash video. The live broadcast will be streaming and available for you on that website. Reachinghearts.org slash video. Thanks for listening. And we do pray that God is reaching your heart. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.